Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to up your skills as a manager, then check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. Now, in this 13-month program, I will be taking you through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. These sessions are virtual, they've run one hour each month, and I'm going to do it live using our very popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. There won't be any boring PowerPoints, no stupid stale stories, and no outdated tools and techniques. What you learn in my session is something you can put to use immediately after it's over. For more information, check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. Now, as the boss, you probably have had to have difficult conversations before, and I know they're uncomfortable, but it's absolutely necessary. Those conversations can range from the mundane, like an employee that has bad body odor, to the super important possible termination. Our guest today is Amanda Hadaway. Now, she is the owner of HR AnswerBox. She does two things in her company. She provides HR services to HR professionals, but she also has a management skills boot camp that she offers. She understands both sides of this equation. And we had a great talk about some conversations that are going to be very uncomfortable, including how do you talk to an employee that has bad body odor? And of course, how do you do a termination properly and legally? You definitely want to tune into this one. You definitely want to take some notes. And I'd be willing to bet you're going to listen to it several times through. Because if you laugh and think it's funny that you might have to talk to somebody about bad body odor, you just cursed yourself because it'll be coming. So let's quit talking about Amanda. Let's talk to her. You know what time it is. Let's buckle that seatbelt because we're about to hit the road together. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Amanda Hadaway, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here today. Well, I'm glad to have you back. We had you on the show, I guess it was a year and a half ago, and um, I don't even remember what we talked about. Do you? Oh, gosh. You've stumped me on the first question. We're not off to a good start. I know what it was. (laughs) We were talking about what would happen if there was a pandemic, and you had a whole idea of what to do in a pandemic. I think you said wear your mask, get a vaccine, wash your hands. You were ahead of Dr. Fauci. You know... Sometimes people get lucky with their recommendations, <laughs> but I was just sharing with someone recently that the weekend before we went into kind of that initial lockdown period, I was with some friends when it was still safe to be in person with other people outside of your household, and we all kind of joked and said, oh, this won't amount to anything more than the flu, and we'll be hanging out again, and here we are a year later, and we're still doing this. It's crazy. It is. Well, I think what it's done is it's given us better habits. I was thinking the other day, now I'm knocking on my wooden desktop right here. I haven't been sick all year. I mean, not even a runny nose. And I would like to attribute it to the fact that we're wearing masks and washing hands. Even here in Tennessee, we're wearing a mask as a sign of weakness. I know where you live, like you walk around without a mask. I mean, Frederick may be different, but 
um, very different, but I think it's made a huge difference. And uh, maybe that's a habit that I, I mean, washing my hands, I've always done it, but not with the amount of, you know, intensity, I guess. Yeah, with the fervor and frequency that we do it now. And, <laughs> and I agree, you know, I ha I don't get sick very often, but I definitely haven't even had a little sniffle. And, and I can say about the mask wearing, although that's new or fairly new to the U.S. culture, many other countries have done that for years, particularly when traveling. So we might have actually been behind the curve on that. I think so. I mean, I will tell you, it's done wonders for my reputation because I actually look much better with a mask on. So maybe that's why I'm more successful this year. Who knows? You never know. And masks have definitely become a fashion accessory. So I know plenty of people who match their mask to their outfit. I can't say that I'm always quite that coordinated, but I at least try. <laughs> I think it's good. Well, I've seen, like, I ordered one that has the logo on it. You can do that. So you can actually have your brand. And I suspect if we ever do have an, uh, an in-person HR conference, a lot of the vendors will have their branded masks and whatever. So maybe that'll be the new giveaway, right? A mask rather yeah. than a squeeze ball or a pencil or a thing of chocolate or something, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I actually was just on a call with a group who's planning a conference in the HR space, and they were talking about how one of the sponsorship levels would have the opportunity to do some branded masks and some lanyards to attach the mask to. Isn't that something? Well, like anything else, it's always an opportunity, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Well, we're going to talk today about uh, a very difficult conversation, and that is the actual difficult conversation. It's the thing that every manager, in my experience, dreads. Mm -hmm. It's the one that they tend to go to HR and hope and pray that HR will just have it and they won't have to do it. And a good HR professional is going to kick your ass out the office and say, go do it yourself. But what you have is a resource now, a new ebook that's called The New Manager's Guide to Having Difficult Conversations. And I'd like to talk about that today because if you have tuned into this podcast, I would imagine you will have one difficult conversation probably every week. And if we're gonna do it, we ought to do it right. So before we talk about your techniques and your ebook, Amanda, refresh our memories about your journey. Tell us how you got started and tell us what you work on now so we can kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my HR career almost 22 years ago, and I got into HR accidentally, believe it or not. Um, I worked for an IT consulting firm and started with them on the project side of things. And long story short, the project I was on lost its funding. I was able to find another uh, position internally, and that was in recruiting. So I started on the recruitment side of the house and then found my way in into employee communications, learning and development, and then left that initial company to take a promotion and become an HR department of one and an HR director. And then uh, just over five years ago, I launched my own company, which is called HR Answerbox. And we work exclusively with the small business and startup communities to help them solve their most pressing management and uh, HR challenges, as well as provide them support in the training sphere. Okay. So you pretty much know this space pretty well, and I've seen you at these conferences too. So you know your stuff. Why is this such a difficult thing for managers to do? Why is that difficult conversation the one that they struggle with and would rather get a shot in the rear end with a big square needle 
then actually have to have the conversation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And here's what happens. Most managers become managers because they were rock star performers as individual contributors. So they're really good at doing their job. And then the company says, hey, congratulations, we're going to promote you into a management role. And then they just expect or assume that the person is going to be a good manager. But what we know is that that is only true for about 10% of all managers, according to Gallup data. So only about 10% of your manager population intrinsically has the skills to know how to manage. The other problem is that most organizations don't provide any or adequate manager training. There's also data out there that says most managers, if they get anything at all, only get about two hours of training on how to be a manager. And the other problem is they often don't get that training until they're 10 years into their managerial career. So it's a real crisis. And and obviously with difficult conversations, this is something that managers are faced with regularly and they just don't know how to deal with it. Well, when you mention a difficult conversation, what are some examples of what that looks like? Yeah, it really ranges. It could be anything from dealing with a performance issue. It could be an employee who has a bad attitude. It could be a policy or a procedure kind of violation, like they violated something that's in the handbook related to a specific policy or code of conduct or professionalism. It could even be something even more serious, like the company has to go through a layoff or a reduction in force. And then there's this other category of difficult conversations around things like an employee has body odor and uh, coworkers are complaining, or the person is um, not kind to other people that they work with. So it really, really is a, a broad spectrum of issues that could come up, but the manager does need to deal with them. Well, but wouldn't it be true too that some of those topics are really better for HR to address? Like I'm thinking the body odor. Right. I mean, did you get special training on how to deal with body odor conversations, Amanda? <laughs> I wish there was a class on that because I have had to deal with that multiple occasions. And it's not personally, not, right? Not personally. Okay. <laughs> I'm a two shower a day kind of person. Okay. <laughs> but I have had to deal with that. And usually what happens is the manager comes in with that shocked look on their face of fear and trepidation of not knowing how to handle that. And, and sometimes it does make sense for HR to step in and help. But oftentimes it is an issue that the manager can and possibly should be addressing on their own. They just need a little help in how to deal with that effectively and in a way that respects the employee who is going to be a part of that situation. So back to the body odor thing. I mean, does that have to be a direct conversation about that issue? Is there any other way to handle that? Could you like put a little bar of soap on their desk when nobody's looking or does it have to be addressed? 
Well, the bar of soap might be a little passive aggressive, so I, I wouldn't recommend that as a path forward. But a lot of times this is an issue that's raised by a coworker that they are distracted in doing their work. So maybe it is something that actually does need to be addressed. Um, but there are broader issues that we want to be sensitive to. You know, what we know is that uh, Americans tend to be a little snobby about deodorant usage, whereas in other cultures, that's not a thing and that's okay it's just a, a cultural awareness kind of issue so it could be that um, we also know that there are certain medical conditions and medications that can change the body's pH and the way that you smell externally so that could be the issue um, could also be an issue that the person's not aware I had a colleague who dealt with this and discovered that the person was having financial issues and their water had been turned off. So that's a whole nother, you know, issue that needs to be dealt with. You know, I don't know why we went down the deep dive of body odor, but since we're down here wallowing around in it, I'm wondering if, because some of the things I've read about COVID is people who have had it, they call those the long-term COVID long or whatever haulers. they call it. Long haulers. Some long haulers. From what I've heard that some of them don't automatically get back their senses of smell and taste. So I'm wondering if this would be something that we'll have to contend with in the coming months and years, somebody who just flat out doesn't know because they can't it, smell. Yeah, it very well could be. Um, the other side of that or the associated issue is you also have people who wear heavy fragrances. And so if someone has asthma or allergies, it could be creating an issue for their health, um, a kind of affiliated issue on the topic of smell that comes up is the the coworker who brings in the stinky leftovers. Not so much now since so many people are working remotely, but we do still have some industries that are in person, like your first responders, manufacturing, et cetera. Okay. Well, I, I would imagine that is a very uncomfortable conversation. And since you mentioned that only about 10% of people promoted to manager management level tend to know what they're doing, that leaves 90% of the people that would probably agonize over this conversation. What happens if we just let it go and hope it fixes itself? Yeah, so I usually refer to that as the head in the sand approach. You know, you stick your head in the sand and ignore the problem and hope that it goes away. And for a small percentage of the issues, perhaps they do go away, but the majority don't. And in fact, they often get worse. And so it's important that the manager deals with these issues when they are first brought to his or her attention, because it's likely not going to get better. Now, I don't know about making policy manuals. You probably know more about that than I do. But I don't think it's in anybody's policy manual that you need to have no body odor. So how would a manager handle that conversation if they can't just make a photocopy of the page of the policy man and say, here, read it? How do you handle Because where? Do, how do you quantify it? How do you, I wouldn't say punish it, but how would you address that when there's no written policy? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And many of these difficult conversations don't have a policy or procedure or even a practice that's considered a norm within the organization to handle it. Uh, the other one that comes up is attitude. You know, people 
may say, well, I have an employee that works for me that has a bad attitude. Well, what does that mean? I mean, that's kind of a, a fuzzy descriptor. And so you have to drill down and really understand what is the root cause of the problem and what can the manager or the organization as a whole do to solve that issue going forward. And so part of the, the preparation for the conversation is for the manager to think through some of those scenarios and really prepare for that conversation in advance. Okay. Well, it seems like you're going to have a wide range of issues to sit down and those constitute a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. So how would a person prepare? And I don't want to keep, but I think while we're talking about body, let's just ride it through. Okay. And those who are right. listening right now, if you're laughing and thinking, oh, I'll never have to deal with that. You just wait. Yeah, it's actually pretty common. And I teach a class for SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. And that is one of our scenarios that we work through. And I have taught this class to hundreds, if not thousands of students at this point. And every time I have at least a handful of students who say, oh, yeah, I've had to deal with that. So it comes up more than you realize. I mean, it may seem like a silly example, but it is actually pretty common. Um, so how would you prepare for that? Well, the person that is delivering the information needs to uh, mentally prepare as well as emotionally prepare. So these are called difficult conversations for a reason. It's unpleasant. We don't want to do this, but we need to to do this. And so one thing that I like to do is, um, as I mentioned, kind of think through all of the scenarios and try to predict how that person is going to respond. Chances are you've been working with the person for at least a, you know, a minimal period of time and you know a little bit about their personality, their communication style. And so that can give you some insight into how they may respond. I also like to create a little bit of a cheat sheet. I sometimes Sometimes we'll just jot down a couple key phrases, keywords, key talking points on a post-it note or a piece of paper so that if I get nervous or anxious during the conversation, I can refer back to that to make sure that I am hitting on the points that I really want to convey in the conversation. And then the other piece of it is be open to listening and be open to hearing that person's side of the story. Um, you know, in our example about body odor, one of the examples I shared with you was that a person was having financial difficulties. Well, when my colleague mentally prepared for the conversation, she didn't think about that as being a reason for this issue. And so when the person started sharing that information, she had to really really go into an empathetic mode to understand where this person was coming from. And then collectively, they needed to come together to really develop a solution. And, and in that case, the office building, again, this was pre-COVID, but the office building had a little bit of a gym facility, a workout room, and there was a shower and a locker room. So they got the employee access to that so that he could use that until he could get his water turned back on at his apartment. So I guess there's a real danger if you go into one of these without knowing the full story. Because imagine if you got after this person, not realizing that they probably wanted to take a shower. They just couldn't. 
Right, absolutely. And so that's why managers should remember that HR really is a tool and a resource. A lot of times when managers come to me with these types of problems, I give them a couple options. I say, we can talk through this and I can coach you up so that you can go do this yourself. But I also have made the recommendation when I can sense that the manager is really, really uncomfortable, I've offered to go with them to have the conversation so that they can see the way that it should go. And then going forward, it's kind of a teachable moment where then they can model the conversation that we had. So going forward, they can do that on their own, hopefully. Okay, good. Well, in thinking about these difficult conversations, the body odor piece is one that's a little more fuzzy. But Mm -hmm. what about a difficult conversation around a cut and dried policy violation? Somebody late X amount of times in a period of time. That's probably a difficult conversation for somebody who's not used to that. But how would the preparation for that be different than one for body odor? Yeah, absolutely. So if it's something that's a little more cut and dry, like a performance issue, say around attendance, I recommend that the manager gets their their facts in order and their data in order to have that conversation. So a lot of companies use some type of time card system or procedure. And so if you have timekeeping records, I would want to have those on hand so that if the person pushes back and says, well, I wasn't late that many times, you can then say, well, actually, here are your time cards. And this reflects that out of the past 30 days, you were late 10 days. So, you know, you have something to base your argument on and really show them that this is, in fact, a problem that needs to be corrected. Same thing with policy violations. I always say your employee handbook is your best friend, or it should be, um, because you can pull out those policies and make sure that the person understands them. As we get into more corrective action and performance improvement type things, I like to take the policies and actually have the employees sign off that they are aware of the policy and and the steps that they're going to take to improve their performance. At the end of the day, you know, we're having these difficult conversations or we should be having these difficult conversations to help the employee to grow and develop. We don't want to have problems going forward. We want to have the difficult conversation in the hope that it's going to correct the situation. Well, going back to something of a personal nature now, like a body odor or something like that. How would you handle it? Let's say that I have a female manager who's got a male employee who's got bad body odor. What's the gender dynamic look like? Yeah, so the person may feel even more uncomfortable than they would if it was someone of the same gender, but the same rules apply. It still needs to be dealt with. If that person doesn't feel comfortable, they should reach out to their HR partner to see if they can get some assistance. Um, And if a company is so small that they don't have HR, reach out to another manager, maybe of the, you know, the opposite gender to, to get some additional support. But regardless of gender, it's going to be uncomfortable. So you obviously know how to do this, Amanda. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. And let's pretend that you are my boss and Mm -hmm. I am the employee with the bad body odor. Mm -hmm. So let's roll through that. Would you be willing to role play it with me? I'm the one who's got the bad body odor after all. So Yeah. So um, before we get into the role play, I do want to say that 
these are sensitive conversations. So I would want to make sure that if we were talking one-on-one, -on -one, that we're doing it in a private area, either uh, I prefer in-person. I know that's not a reality right now because of the pandemic, but uh, video as a, a second best alternative, just because so much of communication is through body language and nonverbals. Um, and in doing that, I want to make sure it's a private conversation. So I'm not going to do this in the middle of a staff meeting and put someone on blast. I want to meet with the person individually. Okay. All right. So I would bring you into my office and, and hopefully I have firsthand information. I'm not going based off of someone else. And I would start off by acknowledging my uncomfortableness. And I would say to you, Mac, uh, I need to talk to you about something today. This makes me uncomfortable. It's likely that you're going to feel uncomfortable, but it's something that we need to address so that we can move forward together. And I want to bring you some awareness and, and help you to understand. So the issue that I wanted to talk about today is your body odor. Um, I don't know if, if you're aware of this, but it's something that I've noticed. And I've had a couple people come to me and express concerns. I just wanted to talk to you about that. So tell me a little bit about what's what's going on. Well, I guess I didn't even realize I had body odor. I mean, I, I use deodorant, usually on Sundays before I go to church, but you know, it's expensive. I don't want to buy a bunch of sticks and have to use it every day. Is it really that big of a problem, Amanda? Well, like I said, I personally have noticed, and, and while it's not the end of the world to me, uh, a couple of your coworkers have expressed concerns, and so I just wanted to bring it to your attention. Um, you know, maybe maybe try using a little more deodorant. Um, if that's not possible or you, you don't think that's appropriate, then we can figure out another plan. I'd like to work through this and talk about your ideas around this. We just want to make sure that all of our employees have a good experience working for the company. Boy, I almost want to go buy deodorant now. That's pretty good. <laughs> so how would you handle it, Amanda? Because I would imagine that somebody other than me would probably say, well, who else has been talking about my body odor? How do you handle the dragging in the other people into the conversation? Because I'm sure that happens. Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's why I like to have firsthand knowledge as well, so that I can say I've noticed this, you know, I'm owning the issue, but also acknowledging that it's not just my issue. There are other people that have said that. Um, typically, when an employee asks for specific names, I just say, you know, just worry about my interaction with you for now. Um, I don't think it's really important to talk about the other people, but you know, we want to figure out a solution that works for everyone going forward and really focus on the greater good. You know, at the end I said, I want to make sure that everyone has a good experience working for us. So you can see that you're trying to move the person into uh, a problem solving approach and, and trying to get them to be open to some type of solution. But what you said about, well, I didn't know. I mean, I, I wear deodorant, you know, I put it on once a week. I actually had a real life person say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it probably was on Friday when people started to notice, huh? Yeah, right. Well, and in the summer months and, you know, people working outside, I mean, it's just, it's a fact of life. So it, it's not a big deal. And, and that's usually what I say too. like, I, I've had some people get kind of upset 
by talking about this situation, which is totally understandable. So I like to give them space to express their emotions. And, and I often say, look, this is a safe space. So say what you need to say. Uh, I, I am open to hearing your feedback and want to get your perspective on this. Okay. Now the little role play we did, we did a little bit, I guess, of rapport building, but how do you start one of these difficult conversations? Now I've heard the old Oreo cookie, right? You give them the good, then you give them the bad, then you end with the good. That's extremely predictable. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend as sort of the intro or do we just dive right in? Yeah. I like to set the stage a little bit and say, I wanted to talk to you today about something that may be uncomfortable or maybe difficult for us to discuss, but I really feel like it needs our attention and some discussion around it. Um, I tend to have a fairly direct communication style. So I am working from the assumption that I already have a bit of a professional relationship with the person. So I don't spend a ton of time on that rapport building piece because I'm assuming that I'm already there with the person. Um, if you don't have that in advance, then you certainly need to, to focus on that a little more at the beginning of the conversation. But I like to get into it. You know, you're already putting someone on kind of pins and needles when you say, I need to talk to you about something uncomfortable. You know, it's like you if you get a voicemail from someone and they say, it's, it's really important, call me back. And then they don't give you any context. So you automatically go to the worst case scenario in your brain, or at least I do. I guess not everyone does that. But I think that's, that's a fairly common response. So same thing, if you start this conversation and then you spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes kind of going back and forth and, you know, not really getting to the heart of the matter, they're just sitting there like, okay, get to it already. So I like to, you know, just kind of come forward and do that. Um, you know, one difficult conversation that, that HR folks like myself have to have a lot of times are terminations. Mm. Same thing, you know, I don't like to spend, you know, a half hour talking about the whole history of their performance. Instead, I want to get to the point where we say to the person, unfortunately, this is going to be your last day. Um, it, it's, mm. although it's tough, it actually is a kinder way to do it because you let the person know what's happening. So you're basically going to just rip the bandaid off. It sounds yeah, I like. guess you could say that's my approach. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, that's fine. All right. So let's say that you have this conversation and the person becomes very emotional mm -hmm. and they start to make excuses and they start to cry. And how would you, how do you handle that? Yeah. So part of what the manager needs to do before going into the conversation is think through what is the likely emotional response of this person. Over the years, I have had people cry. I have had people get angry. I've thankfully never had anyone get violent, although there's always the, the potential risk for that. I've also have had people that have not had any emotional response. They just sit there with a stoic look and, and don't really respond one way or the other. But 
no matter how someone responds, you need to be prepared to let them have that space to work through the emotional piece of it. I find that just, you know, sitting there and acknowledging their emotions and saying, you know, that I understand where you're coming from, or, you know, please take a couple minutes. And uh, if we need to take a break, we can, if someone's, you know, really visibly upset, um, you kind of have to be in the moment to feel out what the best response is. But a lot of times it's just giving that person some grace to work through the, the initial emotions. In your experience, what percentage of people that are the recipients of a difficult conversation mm -hmm. bounce back to where they are back to normal, but better? Does it do you, yeah. do you generally have an idea? Um, I don't know that I can put a number to that, but I would say that oftentimes when a difficult conversation is handled effectively and appropriately, the person does learn and grow from the experience. And even in something as difficult as a termination conversation, I have had the experience where some people have said, thank you. Believe it or not, I have fired people and they have thanked me. Wow. And the reason that they have thanked me is because the job truly wasn't what they wanted to be doing. And they didn't have the wherewithal to resign themselves. And you can almost see something physically happen where when they come in, they're kind of, you know, slouching in their seat. And then after, at the end of the conversation, they kind of, they kind of perk up and it's almost like a, a weight has been lifted off of their shoulders. Wow. Well, that's the outcome we hope we have, huh? Yeah. Now they don't all go that way. Yeah, I gotta well, be that honest. Be, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking of while we were talking about bad body odor years ago when I was in the Navy, we had a department at really one of the best bosses I ever had. And he's a bit of a party animal. He got drunk one night, fell off his balcony hit oh, wow. his head, and he lost his sense of smell. So he was a surgeon, right? And he was a great, just a great guy. Well, um, we started to notice that he had bad body odor. And so the, the women in the clinic went to me and they said, hey, can you go talk to him? I said, why do I got to do it? Well, you're a man. Mm -hmm. So I went in and I said, uh, hey, commander, you got a minute? And he's like, yeah. And I shut the door. He goes, well, this doesn't sound good. I said, hey, I just got to let you know. We've all noticed you have really bad BO. And he's like, thank you for letting me know. He said, I can't smell nothing. I bring my neighbor into my house every week to make sure I didn't drop a pack of hamburger meat behind the refrigerator. <laughs> so I had no idea. And he mm -hmm. was so grateful. So that's yeah. the other possible outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but, but if you're listening to this right now, put deodorant on. Let's not even have to go here. It's not that expensive. You just roll it under your arms, right? <laughs> well, and not even that issue, but other performance issues that a manager could be talking about. That is sometimes uh, a common response where a person says, I didn't even know this was an issue, or I didn't even know we had this policy in place. So sometimes a difficult conversation is almost the ability to press the reset button where the person gets a second chance to correct the issue that you've identified. And again, you know, when someone walks away from that and says, thank you for taking the time to let me know that this is a problem, that's a great outcome. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Well, Amanda, does your book talk about how to have these conversations? Because I mean, you've given us a lot of great information, but 
what I'm looking for is a way that we could get it and actually have this playbook we could work on. Does your ebook cover this? Yes, it sure does. So we walk through all the steps to preparing as well as having an actual difficult conversation. And we provide a number of tips and best practices throughout. And really, the managers reading it, as well as HR professionals, can uh, you know, put their plan together so that they can effectively have a difficult conversation on their own. Good. Well, I'm going to ask you how we get it in a moment, but I want to ask you one last question because you have your finger on the pulse of your industry, which is HR and obviously in management. What does your crystal ball tell you about 2021 and the workforce beginning to sort of wake back up and maybe go back in person or stay virtual? What are you seeing or hearing that we can start thinking about for 2021? Sure, absolutely. So what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing is that many of my clients want to continue either a fully remote work model or some type of hybrid model. Some industries are starting to get vaccinated. And so there's a lot of discussion around whether or not employers should mandate vaccines or just recommend them and their considerations around those options. Um, I think we're going to continue to see workplace flexibility and work-life blending be front of mind for a lot of people. And I think we'll continue to be heavily relying on technology when it comes to work as a whole, but particularly with training and communicating. And if you're an HR professional listening to this right now, who's new in the role, what would you recommend as a good path for learning? Because obviously you have forgotten more about HR than a lot of people will ever know, Amanda. You know your stuff. But what about a person who's just new in the field? What would you recommend they do to get to the level you're at? Yeah, so I have always been a really avid reader, and there is a ton of information out there. There are lots of options for daily newsletters that keep you up to date on compliance issues, employment law. Um, one source of great information is the Society for Human Resource Management, or SHRM, and they're at SHRM.org. I don't get paid to advertise for them, although in full self-disclosure, I do teach for them. So <laughs> your listeners should be made aware of that. But with that being said, they are the largest professional organization for HR professionals and, and have a ton of content that they, they push out on a daily basis. Okay, good. Well, you have a lot of resources for managers. I know that you have a, is it a new manager boot camp? Tell us about that. Yeah, so new manager boot camp is our flagship training program. It is all online. Six weeks of content are pushed out to the new managers or untrained managers participating in our program. And it covers all of the power skills that a new manager needs to know how to do effectively in order to be successful in their people manager role. Okay, great. So we have the book, we've got yep. the boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, how do we find you, Amanda? How do we, if we want you to come and speak to us, if we want to get your products, where do we go? Yeah, a couple places. So our company website is hranswerbox.com. We also have a separate website set up for New Manager Bootcamp, and it's pretty easy. It's newmanagerbootcamp.com. Okay. And I'm also on LinkedIn and would love to connect with any of your listeners. 
Wonderful. Well, Amanda, this has been a real eye-opening and arm-closing conversation with you today. <laughs> uh, but I hope that if you've listened to this and you've never dealt with these things, that you'll remember this episode because this is something that you're going to have to step up and handle. So, Amanda, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And we look forward to having you back on the show again in the future. Thank you. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm -hmm.